Sten Morgan here. I hope you're doing well. I want to announce that we are launching the How to Be an Elite Advisor course. We are combining all of our best teachings and ideas into a course that you can complete in less than a week. I want to share with you the best ideas that I implement within my practice that have helped me achieve more than I ever thought possible. I want to share how I have unique meetings with clients. What's the mindset of an elite advisor? How do you prospect in a way that'll separate you from other advisors? At the Elite Advisor Network, we reject average. I want to help you see what your full potential is and reach it faster. Set time aside this week to take the course. Click on the link or go visit gobeelite.com. I'll talk to you soon. Everyone, welcome to the podcast. Sten Morgan here with my buddy, Matt. Uh, we are going to dive into AI today, specifically chat GPT. I get a lot of questions about this from our subscribers. Um, your name keeps coming up when it comes to advisors implementing technology well. Uh, so I'm glad you're here, brother. Yeah, well, thanks for having me, Sten. Happy to be here and always good to reconnect with you, my friend. Definitely. Yeah, uh, I enjoyed being on your podcast. And so everybody listening, go check them out. Matt, let's start from just even a technology standpoint. I interact with a lot of advisors, and I feel like I run into advisors that seem like early adopters. You know, they're always trying new stuff. They're willing to get uncomfortable. I would make the argument from my experience that the most advisors I interact with are hesitant. Technology is like, I'll, I'll adopt just what I need to, that the industry kind of says is the bare minimum from like a CRM to a financial planning tool. But just get me in front of people, and, and that's really where I thrive. What's your experience been with that? Yeah, I think that, you know, this industry with technology, I mean, we used to have a, a technology business ourselves that we were selling to financial advisors. It was called Benjamin. It was a workflow automation technology solution that really eliminated menial mundane tasks by integrating the technologies and processes together. And, you know, I think as an industry, we are, we are, um, raised in this industry to be risk averse and technology is, uh, risky. Right, because of the relationship and how valuable the relationship is, and technology is not our core skill set. And um, you know, what I have seen is that, that firms like to think that they are innovative with technology or forward thinking with technology by adopting a new portfolio management system or a new CRM. And uh, although it is great, right, that's progress in my mind. I don't see that as truly being innovative because there's a low risk given that hundreds and thousands of other advisors are already using that technology and have that experience. Um, and I think that there's a challenge, right? That there's there's a limited upside. You have to remember, we're in a great business. This is a great business where we are valuable to our clients, but it's a great business model for us as owners and as advisors to where we don't have to do anything. And if we just wait and manage the relationships appropriately, um, we grow our revenue. And uh, that's a that's a really positive spot to be. Um, and so taking a risk on a new technology uh, comes with it's it, usually more downsides than upsides. And so I think that that becomes a tough thing for advisors to wrap their head around. And they don't have an ability to put in a, you know, an exact ROI metric on that. Uh, so it's hard. It's just like an investment of money that has an inability of understanding what the ROI or the return on that investment is. No, that's a great point. Yeah, I call that the lazy man's utopia uh, or, the, or the curse of comfort. It's our businesses do the average thing hard enough and long enough. And eventually you'll, you'll be pretty well off, which is a trap that I fell into early on when that was kind of all I saw. And I was like, okay, I'll copy what, what he's doing or she's doing. And it looks like they're doing pretty well, but yeah, you're right. In that model, there's just not a lot of space for try something new, take a risk. And when I just, I finished reading the book, 10 X is easier than two X. Great read. Mm -hmm. The idea being, you know, we can all double our business by doing more of the same stuff or tweaking it as we go. But to 10x something, you have to be willing to step back and almost break it. 
and rebuild it. And I think that that's something that's super exciting and is motivating to me is um, I think that the industry and the the there's some inspiration and there's some push and drive by many of the firms out there that are are trying to get to that point. They're not satisfied with just 2x. And, and I think that that's one of those spurring moments that's going to cause the industry to really focus on technology because there's going to be this separation. And I, I think that there's a ton of innovative minds out there that are pushing the industry forward. And I think that there's a there's a lot of clients. And as we continue to see the, the generational shift in wealth, which in my mind is more of a generational uh, shift in the number of people we have to serve, I think there's going to be triggering amounts of pressure to become more efficient and to have unique technologies and simplicity of interactions. Um, and that's going to be the driver. And so I'm encouraged that the future is going to have more of that innovative mindset. But I think if you look backward, that's been the reason why we haven't had to do it is because the risk aversion was just the nature of who we were. And we didn't have to. Um, and, and we're just waiting for that driving force, whatever it may be. Yeah. I find at times it's hard to keep up. You know, I look at Kitsis as kind of map every once in a while of all the technologies and well, I know I can blow it up and try to find out what the companies are. The initial impact is there's that's just a lot and it's always changing. So we love on our pack podcast to be super practical. Like what's something they can start doing tomorrow to impact their practice? So let's dial in chat GPT. You're an advisor that's open-minded, maybe not super technology savvy. What do you teach to say, Matt's not telling you tomorrow to become you know some technology nerd and spend all your time researching it. But we will challenge you that it's necessary. So what's that first step? Yeah, I think that the first step is to go to uh, OpenAI and sign up for ChatGPT and just play around with it. I think you know you, it's hard to be um, understanding of what the opportunities are by just being an observer and get in and, and just test it out. So I think that that's the first step is go sign up. It's a free account um, and it's super interesting. And uh, you can just start asking it questions like you would ask a friend or your EA or whatever it may be, and just see what happens. If you're a movie buff, you know, ask it about giving you a summary of a movie or break down the plot or, and just have a conversation with it and see. I think that's the first step is just to get comfortable with what it is. And it, it's going to be scary uh, potentially, but it also could be really intriguing. I think that's the first step. Um, and then the second step is I one thing that I've always run into with advisors is an inability. They always say I am good at conversation. I'm not a creative mind. I don't know where to even start to create content, but I know I need to do content. I don't like to post on LinkedIn or Facebook or Instagram because I don't know what to write and I'm not creative. Well, that's the solution (laughs) opportunity, right? Identify an opportunity that you can use this tool without using or exposing any personal client data. Of course, right? We don't want to put that in there, but. You can use ChatGPT and say, I am a wealth manager in Atlanta, Georgia. I serve the the Henry market or uh, I serve tech executives. And I want to create a three-month content calendar for content for LinkedIn and see what it comes back to. And I'm telling you, it'll come back with a content calendar. You say, how many days a week, how often, and give me the topics. And then you can start breaking down and say, all right, for week one, topic one, can you give me a three-paragraph post to use. And it'll give it to you. Um, and you then can edit it. I recommend you edit it, but it gets you 80% of the way there. That that hurdle that we have difficulty of what do we write about? How do we write to our audience? Uh, what do we post on LinkedIn that's works? This gets you 80% of the way there. And then you edit it for the last 20% and put your own personal touch in there. And now you have content that's mm-hmm. driven towards your niche part of your market 
that you didn't have yesterday. And I'm, I'm telling you right now, you literally could spend 30 minutes and have a whole quarter's worth of content written and ready to go and, and being able to get it posted. And then all you have to do is post it after that. And that's the power of ChatGPT these days. So what I'm hearing you say is that in a matter of weeks, somebody could go from being, I know nothing, to being fairly competent with the tool if you just played around with it. Yeah, I think that, you know, I think that you could go within probably a week of spending maybe five to 10 minutes on the tool a day and you'd become competent because I, every advisor out there that's listening to this podcast, every, you know, wealth management professional that's listening to this podcast uh, knows how to talk to people and you don't have to like talk to them any different. You just say, I want to write content and this is who I am. And just as you would tell anybody, if you picked up the phone and talked to a marketing executive, so there's not a ton of learning. It's just a matter of accepting, right? There's an acceptance aspect of being like, okay, I'm going to use some of this and edit it. um, And I feel comfortable with that. And I think that that's the biggest hurdle to get over. So if I imagine me and you in a room with 10 other advisors, I don't think anybody would try to challenge you that technology is useful, that it's important. So the, the barrier, the, the practical barrier, is it just people, is just the, the fear factor of the unknown? Is it, I don't think it's really going to be as valuable, I'm comfortable enough? Day-to-day advisors you interact with, what is the, what does it really boil down to, to where they're like, I'm just going to hold the course and keep doing what I'm doing? Yeah, I think it's change. I think that you know, as human beings, not just as advisors, I think it's just as human beings, like advisors aren't, they're not wrong in this. It's just a, it's a psychological barrier that we have to overcome is that we don't like change. If it ain't broke, why fix it? Don't rock the boat, right? These are all sayings we hear as we grow up in the industry. And I think that the biggest hurdle is change. And and then also, like, why do I need to do it? Like, what is the direct ROI? And it's hard to put a direct ROI on what this can do um, and the time it takes to do it in sense of like, you have to be posting content. You know this very well. It's like you have to be posting content for an extended period of time to get that first prospect and so advisors don't see that ROI and, and, and they get, and then you fall on your, your laurels of what you know. And it's like, I grow my business this way. It works. So I don't need to do that. And so I'm yep. comfortable in this range and I know this range and I'm going to stay in that range as opposed to experience a change that, that feels uncomfortable. No, that's great. Yeah. I look back to the things that I've, that have become the most meaningful contributors to my businesses and they're things, podcasts, books. They weren't like, I did this thing in a week or two. Like it was almost, I'm, committing to this because I believe in it. And I know long-term there's going to be a return of some kind. But I, I think it, it, as for our listeners, if you're saying, I want to impact more people, uh, I know I can create connections through quality content that hoping to bump into people on the streets randomly is probably not the best way to grow a business. You need something. And so what, if you're creating good, consistent content, that's one thing. If you want to write a book, if you want to teach a workshop, like the more I get around and I see successful advisors, it feels like content creation is this common theme. Like you almost can't avoid it unless you want to kind of hold up in your office and just hope your business grows on its own, that content is is part of all of that. Yeah, I think that you have to be building a story that resonates with your target market, right? That that and you and in, in a digital world that we're in, and why technology is more important than ever before and tomorrow. Or it's going to be more important than it is today is because 
This is how people find us. They don't find us through the yellow pages anymore. Yes, referrals are still a major driver for advisors' book of business. Um, and but if if you can provide content that's valuable to your clients that they can share with referrals, it's a different way of communication medium for them to get to know you. And and this is a it the the barriers to marketing have been lowered because of innovation within technology. And now you have the ability to share your story and who you are. And and that is what is the moat where technology will never take over is the personal relationship and the and the connection that they have with you. And content allows for you to expose that to more people. And now you have tools to help you get ideation or ideas on what to write. And then you can put your personal touch in there. And now people can find a way to find that one little thing to hook on to that they can relate to you that wants them, that has them wanting to talk with you. And content creation is is the name of the game. And then every the, the next question really goes is, well, it isn't just going to become saturated if everybody's doing content and it's all being generated by ChatGPT. And I say, maybe, but there's a thousand articles written about doing a Roth conversion and all of them are different because you can put in your own unique perspective and your own unique you know, tone and your writing structure or whatever it may be that makes it different and allows someone to resonate with, with Stens better than Matt's or whatever it may be. And that's where the secret sauce is. We're all selling. We're all selling the same investment type of stuff, right? We all have the same products, the same investments to choose from. What separates advisors is the personalities and the relationships. And that's the same thing in content if you can make it your own, uh, but get the ideation generation from technology. Yeah, I'll throw out a little uh, warning uh, from a personal experience. Whenever I've done marketing or content creation and it didn't, it was more of like, hey, let's spin up something, but I wasn't fully committed. And for me, a lot of times that means I have somebody that's in charge of it outside of me. So play with ChatGPT. We'll dive a little deeper into that here in a minute. But in my experience, unless you say we are committing to this marketing vertical, whatever it is, and we're going to stick with it and and have reasonable expectations on when a a return is going to come. If you say, I'm going to do this for six months, you're going to waste your time and money. In my experience, there has to be some level of longer term commitment. What in your experience would you tell somebody, hey, if you're going to commit to marketing, you need to give it at least X, 12 months, 24 months, I say you have to have the long view and build it into the into your ethos of who you are as a firm. And it's a three to five year thing. I don't think it's even two years. You may get a client or a prospect after two years, but you have to build it into your ethos and you have to be open-minded about it as well because what you do today may not be what is working three years from now. Yeah. And, and, and it's a process of learning and committing and staying consistent, consistency being the key of, and, and it's not necessarily consistency of style, but consistency of, of showing up, people right. expecting to see you and, and, and something delivered. And I think that there has to be some point of you know, iteration, learn from what's working and what's not, ask your followers, ask your clients and, and watch the numbers and then adjust and test things out to fine tune it which causes it to be a commitment but yep. it's a commitment that a lot that that can be really very valuable uh for growth of an advisory firm yeah and and what we're not telling you uh as an advisor is to become an expert at technology overnight or marketing like those both neither of those things are my superpowers and so for me a solve for this would be who can help me do it uh, and so i'm sure there's maybe firms or you you know as a firm if you want to commit to it you bring somebody in full time to be in charge of content and and overseeing that so for us, what I want to avoid is anybody listening 
getting excited about this and then it distracts from the core of what they need to do is probably growing their business and getting clients. So this needs to be a both and thing. Like you need to be getting in front of people while you're building this, because if this serves as an excuse for you to let your pipeline dry up and all of a sudden you just, you know, you're working on your process, your CRM, it's like, no, help more people should be the goal. But what I would argue, and certainly you would too, is fold this in somehow, commit to this because your future self as an advisor is not going to be upset at you for building a content process. Yeah, I think that it's, I think you're exactly right. It's not that you, and, and, and ease into it, right? Don't, don't become like, uh, you don't have to build a three month thing just ease, or you don't have to write three, three times a week, right? One time a week and, and just start posting things and then build on that and, 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 and set realistic expectations. You know, I, I think it's always about the process, not the outcome. And so you've got to fall in love with the process and have this curiosity mindset to say, I'm just curious to see how I can find a way to make this work. Not focus on, I'm doing this to get one client or 10 yeah. clients. Like that's outcome oriented. So that it's like a, it's a winner or lose. This isn't a winner or lose. This is just what you need to be doing and there needs to be a process. And I think that you can start out doing it very low key by yourself and then bring someone in, but don't go and invest millions of dollars and just think that it's going to return. Slow and steady is better than kind of rushing into it and having the realistic expectations of, you know, falling in love with this curiosity of like, wow, this is all new. This is something that could help my business and I'm going to try to figure it out. That's really valuable. I want to call out an objection that I've had that maybe some of our listeners are having right now um, as we hear about new things. Uh, Matt runs a massive practice. And so if any of us are thinking, hey, I don't have the time, um, I, I would probably challenge your schedule. I, I bet there's wasted time. You're working on things that aren't really important because if somebody like Matt with his practice, his, all the stuff he's doing has time to incorporate this and he's saying five to 10 minutes a day, if you're listening and that thought is in your mind because it hits me too, try to override that and any other objection that's coming up because every time I've had an objection, whether I'm too young to be successful in this business, I almost always seem to bump into somebody that has already overcome that objection. Therefore, it's no longer an objective I can hang my hat on because someone's already pushed past it. Yeah, I think that in, it's again, it's a valid objection. Like I, I get that. I feel that in a lot of things. Like I don't have enough time. To, I can't do a 60 minute workout. I have to do a 30 minute workout because, but, but if I have a goal to become more, become healthier, then I find a way. The, the beauty of humans is that we are, uh, we are able to adapt. And when we set our mind to something, we adapt to what's needed to get there. And so if you truly want to grow your firm continuously and build a sustaining firm, Content and and utilizing of tech, utilization of technology is a is a necessity, and you will find the time uh, if you uh, if you put that as a priority because our natural beings are adaption. We adapt to things around us. Yep. Yeah, I think one thing that and this is where we've kind of played around with it internally is using it for a client newsletter, some more internal content. You don't have to go straight, go out to the community, go on social if that feels intimidating, but the tool can help you tomorrow. Like Matt said, overcome that initial, you're sitting in your office, you're like, man, that's a big project. I'm going to start from scratch writing this content. No, it'll write 80% of it for you. And then you become the the editor or the tweaker of it. Um, so maybe use an in-house first where it feels safer, and then you can venture outside with that tool. And I think that that gets back to, I think that the first month or two, you're just playing with it. 
and having fun and seeing and experiencing what it does and seeing what the outputs are and learning a little bit about it. Even ask ChatGPT, how do I use you most effectively to do X? And I'm telling you, it will tell you what to do. Um, It it doesn't have a user manual, but if you ask it for a user manual, it's going to tell you how to best prompt it and how to best get the most out of it. We had an advisor on our team. It was his uh, four-year wedding anniversary, I think. And so one of the other guys on the team went to ChatGPT and uh, asked it to write a love song for him. And it was pretty good. <laughs> and so we just got some brownie points for this guy because he got to take this love song home um, and put his name on it. <laughs> you know what you could have done is there's another AI tool that would actually create the song actual for you is take those words and then put it in there and it would create the beat and the song and it would have oh. a, a full-on... Uh, song for you so yeah it's uh there's there's some craziness out, out there i love it man it's yeah i think the, i appreciate you challenging the, everybody to be curious because i think we're talking about chat gpt but i think just with the rate of change there's probably something next week there's i'm sure paid tools that at some point i'm not sure if are you using any kind of paid ai yet within your firm so we are i mean we so i i use the the gpt4 which is a paid version of of chat gpt so they do have a paid version i'm using that uh i've used the um Mid Journey is a paid tool which allows us to create imagery. Um, so I can tell it to create me an image of of X, Y, and Z, and it creates an image there. Uh, and then I use a tool called Cast Magic, uh, which is a paid tool, C A S T Magic.io. And that actually is something we use for our podcast. So basically, I can upload a podcast like we're having right here. Uh, mm-hmm. And within three minutes, I have the show notes with timestamps and I have a email uh, newsletter. I have multiple versions of that. I have multiple versions of LinkedIn and tweets. Uh, and I have multiple versions of summaries as well, but everything's timestamped and broken out for me. And so, um, again, it's just creating efficiency. And you think about AI and how it can be utilized is like, you know, even using it as notes and helping to digest notes and create the action items from those notes. Like the the future is bright. And I, I don't know if you're necessarily going to find that the community uses ChatGPT on its own, but it's it's going to find its way to integrate into the tools that advisors are already using. Redtail and Orion are already doing that. Uh, Salesforce will have it. And, uh, and and you'll start using it within tools that you're already using, which may hope, open minds to how do we use it outside of it as well. Nice, man. Yeah, I think I think it's coming. I don't think anybody's going to argue that. So or the question is similar to the content we teach on, do advisors value their time and are they willing to charge for it outside of selling a product? That wave is coming. We get called from, you know, think of the five biggest firms you know out there. They've probably called us and said, hey, we're trying to figure this thing out. AI is the same thing. And so try not to head in the sand uh, as you listen, get curious. I mean, he just listed three tools here. I'm sure there's 10 others that would save you time, which at the end of the day is really what we all want more of. Uh, man, this was great, brother. I appreciate you being on. Uh, check out Matt's stuff. Go to his website. Where can somebody go tomorrow or even today right now after the podcast to check you out? Yeah, head on over to mattreiner.com, Matt, R-E-I-N-E-R.com. And you can sign up for our newsletter, The Circle. It's three times a week. We're sending out great content and uh, check us out there. Nice, man. We'll put that in the show notes too. Matt, good seeing you, brother. Good to see you, bye.